All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode number 19 of the Wisconsin Transition Talks with Brian and Stacy. Uh, Stacy cannot join us this morning, so it's just going to be me. I'm Brian Kenny with the Transition Improvement Grant, and today I'm with Deb Gilster. Um, Deb is currently working at Blackhawk Technical College, where she is the Access and Accommodations Coordinator for BTC. Deb graduated in 2007 with a master's degree in vocational rehabilitation and worked as a transition counselor for the state of Minnesota for eight years. Deb has a master's degree in assistive technology and universal design, and she is certified as an assistant assistive technology professional. She completed an educational leadership and management degree in the fall of 2020, where she earned her doctorate. She is very passionate about working with high school and adult learners and believes that everyone should have the opportunity to further their education. Deb is also very active in BTC's diversity and inclusion committee and works with their staff and students on creating a very welcoming and inclusive community for all. And I'm super excited to have Deb with us this morning. I have had a chance to get to know Deb over the last several years, and I can tell you that she is extremely passionate and very knowledgeable about the topic that we're going to be talking about today, which is geared around transitioning from secondary to post-secondary. And we're going to be speaking mainly about the Wisconsin Technical College system, but Deb's also going to give us some guidance that's basically universal for all of our state around planning for transition to secondary environments, um, to post-secondary environments in regards to accommodations. So Deb, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks, Brian. I'm really super excited to be here. Sorry, Stacy can't be here. I've worked with Stacy quite a bit too, but um, I'm super excited. I am, like you said, I'm passionate about working with students with disabilities. I spent seven years working as a transitional counselor for the Division of Voc Rehab in the state of Minnesota. So I know a lot about working with high school students and helping them make a plan and transition to um, college and whatever they want to do after college. So this is super exciting to be able to impart some of my knowledge to people and students and parents and guardians that want to learn more about this. So thanks for having me. You're welcome. And before we get into talking about specifics around uh, going from secondary to post-secondary, can you first explain the difference between the laws and mainly IDA and ADA to our listeners that may not be very familiar with those differences? Sure can. Um, yeah, the laws are not very much fun. People don't really like hearing about laws. It's kind of boring and kind of um, not something that's real fun to talk about. But it is really important as you begin to understand that transition process from when your students are when you graduate from high school and then move on into the adult world. Um, the IDEA law is the Individuals with Disabilities Act. That is the law that protects um, students that are in the K-12 setting. So this is where you're going to um, have teachers create an individualized education plan, which is the IEP. So most of the students that um, I work with have had an IEP. Um, the idea creates um, the premise that every child is entitled to free and appropriate public education. So they are really focused on making sure that students are successful by providing them different accommodations and modifications to the classroom setting so that they can experience everything they need to do in order to be successful. Um, 
The IDEA law is what we call a law of entitlement. Um, it guarantees success for students. For the most part, every student that's on an IEP is going to be successful and is going to graduate. Um, so once that happens, once a student graduates, whether they're either 18 or 21, um, students then are no longer protected under that IDEA. Um, they move into what's called the realm of the Rehabilitation Act of 504 and the Americans with Disabilities Act, which is what you mentioned, the ADA. So, um, so it's really important to know that once your child graduates, you are no longer protected under the IDEA and you no longer have those services of the IEP. So um, once you move in, the Americans with Disabilities Act is a civil rights act, which means that it um, does not guarantee success for all students, but is designed to make sure that students have access and to remove barriers for students and adults with disabilities. So um, while most colleges utilize the IEP as a tool to understand what a student's disability is and what their barriers are, it is not a guarantee that everything that is on that IEP is going to translate into the college setting. So that's something I get a lot from parents. They say, well, my child was on an IEP and they're not getting all these accommodations. Well, you know, they don't necessarily, it's not a guarantee of success. It's making sure that students have access and not necessarily are successful. So that's kind of the difference between the IDEA and the ADA. And that's really good information for, for us to share with our listeners because we want kids to be post-secondary ready, but part of that being post-secondary ready is, is obviously having those, knowing those differences. Um, this is a big shift for a lot of our K-12 educators. So can you just maybe give some tips to our listeners about how they can successfully prepare students to transition okay. to post-secondary when they have an IEP. What are some things they can be doing to help that transition? Um, definitely start the process early. You know, you don't want to be starting that transition process during their senior year because that's going to be a little bit too late. So as soon as a student expresses potential interest in going into the post-secondary setting, you want to make sure that you're writing really solid goals that are going to help them make that transition. So their goals for the IEPs should be really solid in focusing on getting everything they need for that transition. So um, whether it's weaning, weaning off of accommodations, because we'll talk about probably a little bit later about what typical accommodations are, but not all accommodations that students are used to in high school are going to be available to them when they transition. So beginning to wean them off of some of those um, accommodations that are not going to be allowed when they transition. Um, I know reading, writing, math, those are going to be really key Um courses that students are going to want to take while they're not required. If you go to a technical college, you might not have to take a whole bunch of reading and writing. And depending on what your, your program is going to be, typically most programs, at least at BTC, and I know in all of our university systems, are going to require a certain level of reading and probably math. Even for like IT and for welding and auto, there's going to be some sort of shop math class or applied mathematics class that's going to be necessary. So allowing your students to take a math class their freshman and you know sophomore year and then not take math again is going to really be a detriment to them because they're going to really struggle with those college level math classes. So making sure that students are taking college, you know, college ready classes so that they're prepared and ready to to make that transition. 
Um, another thing that's really important is learning advocacy. And I know we talk about it and you've probably talked about it in other podcasts, but that advocacy piece is huge. Helping students understand not necessarily what their disability is, because colleges aren't really about you know what the disability is, but more about how it affects them. What do they struggle with? You know, you know, yes, I have ADHD or yes, I have a learning disability or yes, I have, you know, mental health. But how does it affect you? Does it make it hard for you to read? Does it make it hard for you to sit still in class? Does it make it hard for you to, you know, have distractions going on around you? So really helping students understand what it is that affects them and how we can help overcome those barriers. And this is this is really good information for our families. We talk about family engagement all the time because we don't want to set families up who are used to, uh, you know, excessive amounts of accommodations and all of a sudden they get to post-secondary level and those accommodations are going to be tapered greatly. So I really appreciate that advice. We know that when students transition to post-secondary, they need to meet with someone like yourself on the campus to kind of create that accommodation plan. Can you walk us through what that process might look like for students and their families? Sure can. Um, the process is going to be different for each college, you know, so I, I'm speaking specifically for Black Hawk Tech, but really these processes work for any college that you're going to. The, the key is that you need to let us know that you're here. You know, many times I get IEPs, I have a stack of probably 50 IEPs by the end of the school year, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to have 50 students here or that I'm going to reach out to all of those students. So when you know you're coming to a college, make sure that your, your case manager sends a copy of your IEP or any medical documentation that you have, and then let us know that you're here. Make an appointment to meet with us so that we can develop a plan. So while the IEP goes away, what we do in college is we develop what's called an accommodation plan. And in that plan is what all the different accommodations that you'll receive while you're here. But just because your case manager sent your IEP to the college that you want to go to doesn't necessarily mean that 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 the disability services office knows that you are a student here. So, so it's really important to, again, advocate for yourself. Let us know that you're here so that we can um, develop that plan. Can you talk a little bit, Deb, about, let's just say that we have a student that we know is, is planning on going into some kind of post-secondary um, training, whether it be welding or another program. Can you walk us through the the difference between an accommodation and a modification and some examples of maybe some accommodations that would likely exist in the post-secondary arena. Yep. Um, the, the big three, what I call it. So for the most part, most of my students um, get what we call extended time for exams. So typically it's time and a half. So if a student struggles with test taking, they're going to get put in a private room, which we call low distraction. Uh, most colleges, not all colleges have private rooms, but most of them have what's called a lower distraction area where they can go and it's, it's quiet. They don't have everybody else in the class taking tests at the same time as them. They're not distracted by you know, people getting up and leaving the classroom. And um, so, so that reduced distraction testing and then extended time, which is typically time and a half. So what that means is if a class, normal classroom has 60 minutes to take an exam, the student would have 60 minutes plus half of that 60 minutes. So they would have 90 minutes. So that's typically how we 
calculate time and a half. And then the other one is an electronic reader. Many of our students in high school are used to going to the resource room and having their tests read to them. So um, very few colleges actually have people that will actually read the test to students, but what we have is called an electronic reader. So we use Kurzweil. Many of the, the colleges use Kurzweil, which is a reading software program. And that what it does is it highlights the text that's being read, and then an electronic voice will read that text to them. So it provides that feedback of being able to see the words on the screen as they're highlighted, and then also hear those words. So that's another accommodation that's typically provided for students. Um, and then after that, some note taking has been a huge issue in the past. Students struggle with that organization and that ability to take notes and get the you know instructors talk really fast. And they a lot of times aren't able to get that information down. With COVID, most of the classes have gone online and most of the classes are being recorded. So students are able to go back and view that material as many times as they need. But if there are times where they're actually in a lecture-based class that's not recorded, we can provide some note-taking devices, whether they're electronic or whether it's an actual human note taker for them. Some students get, um, you know, interpreters, you know, we have interpreting for students who are deaf and hard of hearing. We have priority registration for students that might need to get into certain classes based on the format of their classes. So it's really a wide variety. It's all based on the student's needs. So that's why it's important for students to understand what their needs are. As you know, as we move forward, typical accommodations that are not approved that sometimes students are used to or like being able to turn in their assignments whenever they want, you know, having two or three weeks extra to turn in the assignments. Um, we can sometimes grant that in certain, you know, in certain situations, but we find that if you have extra time for your assignments, then you're not getting the information that you need at the time that it's being presented. You're spending so much time working on your assignments that you're behind in the assignments that actually need to happen. So that's a very rare accommodation. Um, we can't modify any of the tests. Some students are used to, you know, having, you know, two, two, two responses rather than four. We can't do that. We can't modify the tests or the assignments. If you have to write a three-page paper, you have to write a three-page paper. You can't just write a couple paragraphs. Um, and then we can't allow you to retake the test. Once you take a test, that's what your grade is. Unless the instructors have that built into their courses, pretty much you're, we're not allowed to retake the test as many times as you can in order to get a grade you need. And that's a really good insight. And that gives us the you know, the 30,000 foot view of what things look like. And again, it's it's going back to human connection and relationships. We need the the families and the student to get a hold of folks like yourself, make appointments. So everything is very transparent. I remember a couple years ago, um, Liz Watson came to present at an RSN meeting at CISA too, and there were several special education directors there. And one of the things that she talked about, and it was an eye opener for a lot of the, the special education directors was, you know, having paraprofessionals and teachers reading tests to students, because the human nature of us as test readers is to, we don't want kids to fail, right? We, mm -hmm. so we, you know, when we get to letter C, and we know that that's the answer, we might change the way we present letter C to students. And when you use reading software material, 
electronic material, it's, it's a level playing field. So there's, it's just better for students when they come to places like Black Hawk Tech, where if they're using that material in, in the high school setting, when they come to you, they're very familiar with it. And it's, it's, it's something that they're used to. Yeah, it's it's really hard. I've I, I have read tests for some people. You know, we have a we have a blind gentleman here that he was newly blind when he started at Black Hawk Tech, so he didn't have all the technology skills and stuff that that people who are blind from birth have. So he's not familiar with JAWS and how to navigate those systems. So we do. So we do do some personal reading, but it's really tough. It's really tough to see students struggle and give the wrong answer. And, you know, you want to help them and encourage them. But again, that the ADA law is all about access, not necessarily about success. We want students to be successful, but we can't make things easier for them because when, when they graduate from Black Hawk Tech with a degree, they have the degree that everybody else has. We haven't made things easier for them. They have a solid degree from Black Hawk Tech. So that's really important. That is important. And another thing that's really important that often gets kind of set aside or maybe procrastinated is the the importance of meeting timelines and deadlines regarding financial aid. I know I'm I'm gonna be I have a 12 year old gonna be 13 and I have a nine year old gonna be 10 and and before we know it, we're gonna be having conversations about financial aid. Can you maybe talk and you have really solid VR background too, Deb. So you you know the VR world, the vocational rehabilitation world, you know the the transition from you know secondary to post-secondary. Can you talk about how important financial aid is for families and and how important it is for them to to take the time to apply and and meet those deadlines and timelines? Sure can. Yeah, financial aid is something that's really really tough for people. They they hear what's called the FAFSA, which I can't even remember what the free grants and whatever. I don't even remember what the title is, but but that's the key thing. It's called the FAFSA. And if anybody is going on to school, that's the first thing that students have to do, regardless of whether they're working with VR or WIOA or any other sort of agencies, everybody has to fill out the FAFSA. And that is basically the starting point where students become eligible for grants and scholarships and outside sources and financial aid. So the financial aid form is filled out. It used to be filled out in March after everybody finished their taxes, but it's changed now. So they're actually using like two years ago. So you can start filling out the FAFSA as early as October in the year prior to when you want to go. It's going to require your parents' tax information it's going to, um, but it's an online form and it sometimes can be complicated, but once you've done it a few times, it, it's super easy. I know I have four kids and I, my last two are in college right now. And sometimes I was filling out the FAFSA for three and four people at a time. So um, it, it becomes complicated, but once you do it, just follow the steps. And if you need help, talk to the people at the college where you are going. Talk to your counselor at the high school. They've done this. So if you are struggling, um, have ask for help. So, um, But what the financial aid form does is it gets your income, it gets your parents' income, it gets all of that information, and then it creates a formula that determines how much you need based on your financial need. So a lot of students, I would say that about 85% of our students receive grants that pretty much cover almost 100% of the 
the their need. So the grants are a form of financial aid. It doesn't need to be repaid unless you drop out of school and decide not to finish. Um, so grants are just free money that you are given to go to school based on your financial need. Um, there's also scholarships. Scholarships can be overwhelming and confusing, but especially for students with disabilities, if you have a specific type of disability, you can look online and find scholarships that are available for that specific type of disability. Um, many colleges have scholarships and grants for students with disabilities. Blackhawk Tech, we have a foundation, and within that foundation, if you apply for for a scholarship, it will take your information and it will apply it to like a hundred different scholarships to see which ones you are eligible for. And while it's not a lot of money, it's only about $500 a semester. It's still, it's still enough to cover your books and some supplies and all of that. So, so applying for scholarships is also super important. Um, but the big thing for students with disability and what a lot of our students have is a, like what you said, Brian, Division of Vocational Rehab. They are an agency that works with individuals with disabilities and help them towards an employment goal. Now that's the key. You need to have an employment goal. You can't just say, oh, well, I don't know what I wanna do and I just want you to pay for school. So that's, but if you have an employment goal to be a nurse or to be a CNA or to go into the auto program or the welding program or, the assistive, um, you know, technology or anything that you want to do. If you have an employment goal and that employment goal requires you to get training at a college or an apprenticeship or, you know, whatever that might be, Division of Voc Rehab can help you pay for that college or that training that you need. Um, but you have to start early. You can't just apply and get the money the next day. Division of Oak Rehab has a process that you have to go through to apply to be eligible for. So every every high school I think in Wisconsin has an assigned DVR counselor if that's if I'm correct. So if that's something that you're interested in doing, make sure that you get your students hooked up with a DVR counselor as early as 10th or 11th grade so that you can understand that process and figure out how that process works. Some really, really good tips you're giving to our listeners. Deb, you're on a roll here. You're, you're, <laughs> I you're love what of, I do. You're full of a lot of tips. And I'm learning some stuff. And uh, I just want to, you know, as we as we wrap this up, uh, we've, we've had a lot of advice that you've given. But is there anything else that you could you could offer uh, little nuggets or tidbits to school districts, families, youth about, I mean, we know the labor market is telling us that there's lots of hot jobs um, associated with both uh, two-year and four-year colleges and the Wisconsin Technical College system. So anything, anything that you'd want to say, your, your, your last, your last hurrah here. Uh, start early. You know, understand what you want to do. You don't want to start college and and um, pay a whole lot of money doing something that you're not wanting to do. So the big key is to figure out what you want to do. Take advantage of those career explorations and the job shadowings and the college tours that the schools are offering, because that's going to give you um, and your students a lot of insight as to what you know, what your plan is, you know, and you don't have to plan for what I want to do in 20 years. What do you want to be doing in five years? You know, figure out what that is and then start making plans towards that. The 
what when I when I pulled some of our instructors here and when I when I read online and talk about the biggest thing that students who are transitioning to post-secondary struggle with is organization and time management. They are so used to having their time managed. You go to first hour, you go to second hour, you go to third hour, you have a case manager that's making sure you're turning your assignments in and all of that. And that's not going to happen when you transition to college. Once you're in college, it's expected that you figure out your own time management. So, so being able to understand what I need to do, how I'm going to organize all my assignments. I have three classes and I have five papers due and which one do I need to do first and how do I do that? So, so figuring out a way to organize your time and to manage your assignments is key. And, you know, as the assistive technology professional in me, I do a lot of, I do a lot of presentations and, and stuff on assistive technology. Everybody has a smartphone. Everybody has the ability to have apps that you can download to track your information. So Google extensions and apps on your smartphone are a great way to help students um, learn that time management piece. And I would say with um, for any teachers and any parents that are listening, get your kids started early. You know, you don't want to have them not exposed to any assistive technology. And then the first day of college, they're trying to learn all these time management systems. They're learning how to use Blackboard. They're learning how to use email. They're learning all of these things, plus learning all their coursework. So, so making sure they have those skills and understand that assistive technology prior to starting college, I think is super important. Um, you know, and, and knowing what, type of school you need to go to. You know, I'm a tech college. So tech colleges, we're really focused on those vocational skills, getting them in, getting them out, getting them into the workplace. So we have the one and two year degrees. But a lot of students are interested in maybe being a teacher or maybe being a nurse that requires more school than just a two year degree. So you don't necessarily want to come to Blackhawk Tech to get your um, like gen eds and then go into welding because you don't need gen eds to go into welding. So that's why, again, I say it's really important to begin to understand your path so that you can make the right choice as to what type of school and where you want to go. Deb, you, uh, <clears throat> you've been a rock star today and congratulations on your, your doctorate degree. I, Thank uh, you. I learned something about you today that that's, <laughs> that's impressive. And I, I asked you for, for, uh, a good ending and, well, you sure you sure delivered. That was some really good information, and I think this has been really valuable. We're hopefully gonna have some listeners that will learn some really good information and and really push students to to get into the labor market uh, where there's a need for lots of different jobs around our state. Um, and and we we know that our indicator 14 data, um, our post high school outcomes data, is showing us that there's a slight drop. In the amount of kids that are going on for higher ed and i i think today's podcast is really going to help us maybe maybe grow in that area so thanks so much deb this is a wrap for episode number 19 of the wisconsin transition talks with brian and stacy minus we're minus stacy today so we're minus one but um we we managed and uh have a great weekend everyone and we'll uh we'll look forward to seeing people for episode number 20. all right thank you